Hello and welcome to this Linklaters podcast on payments regulation. Every month we talk about the latest legal developments which are relevant to the payments industry. I'm joined on the line by two of our payments regulation experts, Gene Price and Paul Harris. Today we are going to focus on what COVID-19 means for payment services. Paul, it is difficult to know where to begin, but what do you think payments firms are thinking about at the moment? Well, I think there are probably three main areas. Um, that firms are having to think about at the moment. The first one are uh, the purely practical operational issues. So managing the well-being of staff, managing the well-being of of customers, and having to adjust to new working practices where everyone is, to the extent possible, having to work remotely, um, with a particular focus, particularly from the senior management of businesses, on operational resilience and and how to manage um, the business um, whilst we're having to also work through the daily changes in our uh, personal and working lives. I think there's also um, a consideration on regulatory responsibilities in terms of tracking what the regulators have been saying publicly and keeping up to date with their regulatory expectations and also having a lot greater contact with regulators than, than firms may be used to um, because the regulators are clearly interested in uh, and business continuity, particularly in the payments industry, because the payments industry has been uh, identified as one of the, the key industries that needs to still be working um, whilst we're going through the, our COVID-19 changes. And then, of course, finally, and perhaps it is one of uh, maybe the, the least consideration for some businesses, but a more important consideration for other businesses, are the commercial considerations. So how best to respond to the fluid social situation how best to respond to keeping your business going, what essential processes and people do you still need in place in order to be able to keep your business going. Thanks, Paul. So let's take those in order. I think first you mentioned the practical issues. We spoke on our previous podcast about the FCA's plans to build operational resilience in financial services. Jean, I imagine that the pandemic has forced firms to move faster than they might have expected on this. That's right, Simon. So the FCA have already been in touch with the key payments providers to talk about what steps they've already taken um, to deal with the current situation and their business continuity plans. And the regulators will be keen to hear from firms about the issues they're facing. I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? When we have historically thought about business continuity, it generally tends to be in the context of a short, sharp shock. Um, And yet here we have business continuity plans being tested for what may be actually a significant period of time. So it'd be interesting to see how how firms react to those and how well everything stands up to those changes over, as I say, an extended period. Um, So one of the things I've been looking at is the management of data. So of course, when we're in the office, we're in a sort of um, a set environment. But do your firm's employees need to be handling sensitive data? And how does that get done when you've got people needing to work from home? You know, people are using their own devices, for example. Um, so one of the challenges to firms is to ensure that the data is still maintained securely and that they continue to meet their GDAPR um, requirements. Um, even in unusual times, those requirements haven't changed. So another thing they're thinking about is about their employees themselves. What contingencies have they got for when people are actually ill? We could have sort of large-scale sickness where 
large parts of your workforce may simply be unavailable. So what happens then? What are your business critical roles? Um, who can step in and do those? What can be skills can be redeployed to fill any gaps that are occurring as a result of that? So I think overall the FCA is, can, is going to be asking questions to firms about where is their tipping point? What is the point at which they, um, they can no longer actually provide the service in the same level to the quality required to ensure that consumers aren't left high and dry, to ensure businesses aren't left high and dry, and that they're all coping in the round. And Jean, I saw that the FCA has provided some guidance on key workers in financial services. What have they said about payments firms? So, well, as um, any of us with children will be all too painfully aware, the um, schools are generally closed in the UK at the moment um, for anyone but the children of key workers. Um, so, but schools, as I say, are being asked to provide um, care for certain um, workers who are critical to the COVID-19 response. And that actually includes parents who work in financial services and who are needed for the provision of essential financial services to consumers. No one wants people to be unable to make payments, to be able to get access to cash, to buy food. Um, those things are all critical that they're maintained and go ahead. Um, so the FCA has said that roles they consider providing essential services includes um, senior management and individuals considered essential for providing services for the functioning of payments processing and cash distribution services. Um, other staff in risk management, compliance, audit, other functions who are needed to ensure the firm meets its customers' needs and regular obligations and um, individuals providing essential support so for example your finance staff your IT staff they're also all included so there is a higher level of, um, of priority being given to these people to ensure that payments firms can and banks can keep on functioning in the in the current climate you mentioned senior management there Paul what do you think are the main considerations for them at the moment Yes, that, that's an interesting one, particularly for payment services firms, because actually payment services firms straddle uh, the regulatory spectrum. So some payment services firms will be authorised under the Financial Services and Markets Act and therefore will, uh, will now be under the senior managers regime and therefore the few senior managers within such businesses will potentially be subject, well, they will be subject to the accountability obligations and will need to be taking reasonable steps um, to make sure that the areas of the business for which they're responsible are being undertaken appropriately. For pure payment services and electronic money issuer businesses who aren't subject to the senior manager's regime, they don't have that formal level of accountability. However, I think from a practical perspective, the FCA will still be expecting such senior management to take similar sorts of steps in order to ensure that those parts of the business are still able to function properly, particularly given, as Jean just said, payments processing and those involved with online processing and cash management have been identified by both the FCA and the government as being essential to the continuing functioning of the economy. But I suppose the question is, what what do those considerations need to look like? And I think one thing that we've certainly seen is a number of firms start building uh, dashboards of key management information that tracks both staff numbers and bandwidth with whatever customer-facing uh, 
services need to be provided, be, be it call centers and or electronic bandwidth in order for payments, pro, electronic payments processing to still continue. Um, and these, these dashboards are essentially uh, the metrics that senior management need to track in order to understand how close the business may be getting to the tipping point in not being able to provide the services in the way they ideally would like to and or need to. And I think that's the, the, the key issue here because certainly speaking with some clients um, who are having more regular contact with the FCA, um, the senior management are being asked to provide the FCA with updated information around what the tipping point may be for their business. And so I think if senior management are putting together uh, dashboards, they should be sharing them with, with the FCA to the extent the FCA asks for them. I don't think they should be necessarily putting together additional information at this time and creating an industry out of providing the FCA with, with information that the business itself is not using. But I think the, the key issue that certainly from, from our conversations with clients, what, what that has been is that the FCA just wants to know how far can things go before it tips over and you cannot provide certain parts of your service anymore. And I think that needs to be the bottom line that senior management uh, needs to be looking at. So those are some of the practical things that firms are dealing with at the moment. Moving on to your second point, Paul, there's been a lot of activity from the regulators in the last few weeks. Do you want to run us through some of the latest regulatory developments? Yes, and I'll, for this, I will just focus on payment services because the FCA have been providing, and the PRA as well, but the, the regulators together have been providing a fair amount of public guidance to, to firms as well as having greater contact with businesses on a one-to-one -one basis to give them informal guidance. But I suppose there are some some high-level highlights, shall we say. The first one is that there's been a, a delay to a number of uh, pieces of FCA policy work. And I think uh, the biggest one that, that all businesses have been looking at recently, particularly in the payment services industry, was the FCA's consultation paper on operational resilience that came out in December. And the consultation for that was due to end um, this week, actually, at the end of March. However, the FCA have said that that will now be delayed. The consultation period will now be delayed until October of this year. Um, however, I suppose from a practical perspective, firms are now almost living and breathing operational resilience far earlier than they were expecting to, because actually they're just having to deal with operational resilience issues on a daily basis. There's also been a delay to the confirmation of payee deadline. I mean, implementation for that was due to be the 31st of March, and that, now that has been put back until the 30th of June. Essentially, uh, the confirmation of payee initiative is really to help prevent as much as possible authorised push payments where it should be possible to confirm the details of the payee before a payment is made so that the details of the payee can be confirmed as being correct and above board. Now, the relevant banks who were due to have implemented this by the end of March, even though they don't now have to implement it until uh, the end of June, they still must ensure that customers who would have benefited from those protections um, and not disadvantaged by the delay. Therefore, if anyone potentially is a victim of authorised push payment fraud or any other type of fraud where confirmation of payee would have potentially helped that situation, well, then the banks are under a, a regulatory expectation, regulatory guidance that they will refund those customers and not put them at a disadvantage. And, of course, at the moment, that is a potential issue um, given that 
the government has warned there is a heightened risk of fraud for, for consumers at the moment. And also, Paul, where do we stand on Brexit? I know that there has been some talk about whether COVID-19 makes it more likely that the transition period might be extended. As with many things with good old Brexit, it's a bit of an unknown. I think all of the noises are that um, we clearly will not have enough time now to have any sort of a deal by June. Um, Certainly, it's not helped by the fact that negotiators on both sides, particularly on the European side, Michel Barnier, are actually suffering with COVID-19 at the moment. And so I think there is a realisation on both sides that there will need to be a delay. However, I think both from the European Union side and the UK side, everyone is just trying to get through the COVID-19 crisis and then we'll deal with um, Brexit delay after that. However, I think the expectation is the transition period will last beyond the end of 2020 now. And also looking ahead to another date in the diary for later this year, strong customer authentication. How is that going to be impacted? I know that there were several milestones that firms were meant to be meeting during the course of 2020. Yes, yeah, so that's interesting. So the EBA have published guidance in the, in the last couple of weeks. And what they have said is actually we still expect businesses to generally be on the ultimate timeline for the delayed implementation However, one of the interim steps, which was for national regulators to support, uh, to, to, to report really on strong customer authentication readiness in their jurisdiction by the end of March this year, has been waived given that regulators clearly have a lot of other things on their plate. And finally, with people in lockdown across the world, there are social changes which are going to impact payments businesses. Jean, what is the likely commercial impact that firms are dealing with? Well, you may have seen there's been already been some stories in the press about the World Health Organization advising the public against using cash. Um, they haven't actually gone that far. They've said that people should wash their hands after handling money, um, especially if handling or eating um, food. But it's easy to see how the COVID-19 will accelerate the decline of cash use in countries like the UK, for example, where it already was falling. We've covered that in a previous podcast. So, for example, I know where I live, um, all of the parking is now free. All of the, um, the machines have now been taped up to avoid people handling cash, handling the same buttons. So there are already small changes um, that, that are happening that way. I think we're going to see the, the payment dynamic shift quite considerably. Um, there's been a question of whether there's going to be a, a surge in demand for digital payments. I think that there will be. I think that's right. But I do wonder, actually, whether there are going to be less payments going through the system. As people start being more careful, people are already shopping less, they're buying less. People who are in industries which are massively affected will be looking to sort of retain the money they have and not spend unnecessarily. So I think we will see um, a, a, a surge in demand for digital payments as a proportion of all payments, whether that is actually going to be um, a sort of saviour for, for everyone, I really don't know. And of course, there are some payments firms who rely very much on, on um, business models which are massively impacted now. So for example, for business models that rely on foreign exchange or people going on holidays, um, things like that, those are going to see a significant downturn. So I think returning to the theme of resilience, the questions for firm is how they're going to manage this, this different demand. I would say in some cases it may be increased, but I think it will be a different demand while ensuring that their systems and staff aren't overloaded, 
they can continue to treat customers fairly. Um, so I think it is a real, real, will be interesting to see where we come out uh, on the other side of this one. And, and Paul, I, I think I saw that the, um, the contactless limits changing, is that right? Uh, yes, that's right, from the 1st of April. It's, it's not an April Fool's joke, it is actually changing. Um, so currently, the contactless limits, um, if you just put your files on, on a contactless machine without having to go through any putting in your PIN or any other authentication, is £30. However, um, in the last week, the European Banking Authority um, has issued guidance actually asking all European jurisdictions to consider raising the limits to 50 euros. And so in response to that, uh, in the UK, we're, we're raising the contactless limit to 45 pounds. And I suppose this is a clear example of where social changes are now intersecting with payment services. And the part of the reason why the contactless limit is going up is to minimize uh, the point of contact in which people working in shops will have with shoppers um, at a till and make it a lot quicker for people to pay for their goods and leave the shop and get to their homes. So yes, on the 1st of April, the contactless limit will go up to £45. And Jean, I think you've heard some anecdotes from some of your clients about how they are coping with life in lockdown. Do you want to share some of the stories you've heard? Yeah, I think people are, uh, are, are dealing with this with really good humour at the moment. So I've been in touch with a few of our payment services firms. Um, and as one would expect, most of these are at the cutting edge of agile working, working from home, flexible working and all of that good stuff. Um, but even though one would, would therefore expect them to be better placed, they do seem to be coming up with um, some, 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 some sort of good ideas on, on how to, to keep it all fresh. Um, I've just changed ends of the room so people can look at different posters when they're talking to me but I'm waiting for a time where we've heard one where you have to wear a different hat at every call um, another one where the whole firm has circulated copies of their innards of their fridge as a competition um, I think mine might need a little bit of um, curating before I, I offer that one um, and also another one where they did the whole call in fancy dress so um, I'm just waiting for the invite to that because with children, I have a very full dressing up box. So when the call comes, I'm there. Thank you very much to both of you. Before we go, I wanted to say that we have also released a special episode looking at recent payments developments in Australia with our friend Nicola Greenberg from Allens. We recorded it before the recent wave of lockdown measures in Europe. So if you want a payments podcast which doesn't mention COVID-19, I would check that out. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can tweet at Linklaters Tech or email fintech.podcasts at linklaters.com. Until next time, thank you for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.